Hey everyone and welcome back to the Lucas On Podcast. Today is an episode, it's a conversation with Prinz. Prinz is kind of a local icon, um, a pop star and just a great performer all around, especially coming out of this kind of festival season now that it's summer, hearing all these great things about people that I know, mutual friends and stuff that went to her performances and had nothing but great things to say. I was really excited to have her on the show. Um, she's been kicking around Christchurch for ages now, um, really creating some, some great music, hosting some great shows. And so I wanted to kind of dive into that in this episode, um, a lot of her backstory, how it all got started, as well as kind of the makeup of what makes a show good, you know, who's doing the choreography, like what's the, what are the ideas behind kind of her branding, how she kind of acts, how much of Prince is a, a character and how much of it is herself. We had a lot of, um, yeah, really cool, cool points and had a really cool conversation around um, kind of what it is to be um, a pop star, what it is to be a musician um, coming from someone who has seen quite a lot of success recently um, in that field as well as overseas touring and, and really really exciting things like that so I hope you enjoyed this episode make sure to go stream her new track because as of this episode coming out I believe it will have dropped yesterday so fresh music as well for you to listen to um, but yeah I hope you enjoyed the episode um, I definitely did and thank you for watching Guess let's start. Let's start talking about um, like right now. You're having mm. like a bit of like a um, you're having a bit of a reputation era. You know what Ooh. I mean? Um, I don't know if that was an intentional title swap reference. Yes. Some yes. people, yeah. Some people have actually said that to me, and I was like, it was not intentional, but it does feel like that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. What What do you think is what are the f- foundational pieces of kind of this era that you're going first of all why the switch right because i feel like there has been kind of like a conscious switch to move in a direction when it comes Mm. to your music uh, sonically and aesthetically right yeah it's it's not really like it hasn't really been that intentional okay Although it does look like it on the outside. Yeah. It's quite it's evolved quite naturally, I think. Every time I especially sonically, like every time I write a new song and I push in a certain direction, it seems to go for me it seems to go like a little bit more electronic, a little bit more edgy. Mm. And in my head I keep wanting to pull it back a little bit commercial, but I just don't go that way naturally. So mm. I'm I'm kind of like fighting that headspace at the moment where I'm like I want to still go down the radio path, which is, you know, you have to have commercial elements to your songs and not be too out of the box. Mm. But then I also love writing kind of edgy pop music, which has been the last few releases, especially especially Savage, which I released a couple of months ago, is definitely definitely a little bit like left field. It's not straight like bubblegum pop, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that's that's been evolving quite naturally and like the songs that I have unreleased like in my bank right now are definitely quite edgy um, but in terms of releasing them like you know I don't I don't know what's gonna happen I'm going on a, a big writing trip in a couple of weeks to LA for two weeks 
Um, so you never know what might come out of that. And if I find something that I like better than what I already have in the bank, then I might be going in a different direction. Who knows? I just like to, I like to just go with the, what, what feels right in the moment. And in terms of visually, the whole wig scenario that everyone thought I cut my hair off, <laughs> I just wanted to do something fun. Um, Savage was the first song that I released that was coming out of the Goodbye the Old Me era, which was like mm. a, a mini EP that I released at the start of last year. Mm. And it was definitely very commercial, like a bit, bit just like straight down the middle pop. Um, not There was no edgy songs in that at all. And then I did the, the world tour, which was very cool. And then I sort of wrapped up that era and I wanted to come out with a bang and do something that was going to like get some new attention, I guess, some new eyes. Because I yeah. felt like I was kind of just repeating the same cycle and not being different enough to stand out, if that makes sense. Um, and so I, I had the idea for the wig and I posted a photo of me in it a couple of weeks before releasing Savage and everyone, even my parents thought that I cut my hair off. Like my dad actually video called me. Wow. And my and I had him and my mom sitting there. And my mom's like, I reckon she did it and dad's like, turn around and I was in Australia at the time and I was like, Do you guys actually think I cut my <laughs> hair off? Like you're fooled as well, my own parents. And so I had a little like a little bit of fun with it and for two weeks from like leading up to that release I just kept putting the wig on for, for every story that I posted like everything which is such a pain in the ass yeah no, it was so annoying yeah I like I just wanted to you know just pick up my phone and just record something and I'm like wait no I have to put the wig on so yeah. it was like a full yeah it was, it was a lot of admin um but then I I put out the artwork I put out all the photos and, and everything with that wig on and people seemed to really like it and then Obviously, after I released the song, I think it became quite obvious that I didn't do it, and I started, you know, going back to, you know, just kidding. This yeah. is still, I still have the hair that I've been growing for like ten years. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then I started thinking about the next release, which is Copycat Killer, which is coming out this Friday. Mm. Um, and I was like, why don't I just do the wig again? Mm. Um, and so I did, and then when I played Rolling Meadows, which was the first proper big show of New Year's Eve that I'd played since releasing Savage mm. I was like do I try and perform with the wig on and see how it feels like is it going to stay on for one when I'm dancing around and throwing my head around and headbanging which it did okay um, good good <laughs> yeah and I, I think like I just really liked it I think it really helped me get into character on stage it really helped people um, I think it really helps people kind of view Prins as a separate thing from me yeah and maybe view it as I think visually it like gives me a bit more of like a pop star vibe yeah um and maybe that's just the way that I view myself because I've had the same hair forever yeah um and everybody just knows me because of my hair so yeah I just wanted to separate the two and see if I could maintain that image so that's what I'm doing I don't know how long it's going to last for um, I was thinking about, you know, do I, do I switch it up and have different colors for different characters? And I start oh, naming them. Okay. I start, yeah, I was like, should I start naming my little alter ego and like have a little fun thing with fans where I like call it a different thing. I might make a poll and see if I can get people to name it. That's what I'm thinking about doing right now. That's Just really for fun. <laughs> um, yeah, just like, just little things so that 
fans can really like sink their teeth into yeah. a little bit of like a depth of character rather yeah. than just like his friends putting out a song again you know make it more fun more interesting when you say like depth of character does mm. does that mean there's quite like a big distinction between who you actually are as a person and the character of Prince like I, I, you know, I get that, that that music is always kind of an extension of ourselves, mm-hmm. but do you feel like there is quite like a, a big distance between how you kind of present yourself and, and how you actually are? No, I, I, don't think, I don't think there is a big difference. I guess, I mean, um, when I say like depth of character, I kind of mean people getting to know me okay. a little bit more in depth. But no, I think that whether we call it the alter ego version or whatever the the prince version mm. is just me with certain characteristics fully dialed up yeah that's kind of how i view it it's definitely still very very much me it's yeah. just like i wouldn't obviously be like that 24 7 in public <laughs> is it is the is it the kind of edgy side of you is that maybe an example of it yes 100 percent. yeah yeah like i don't i don't feel the need to be dialed up and step into my emotions all the time and also I don't think anybody could maintain something like that maybe yeah. they could but I definitely couldn't like I'm actually quite a quite a little like hippie at heart to be honest <laughs> like up until a couple of years ago I never had a laptop I like all through COVID I lived by myself I didn't have internet, like, intentionally. I didn't have a TV for years and years and years. So oh I was, like, a very, God. yeah, like, a very, very different person. But at the same time, um, early stages of my career, I was also, so I was, I was doing music, and then I was working in real estate for mm. about three years. So I kind of had, like, not like a split personality, but I had the two sides of me that were the business side and the creative side. Mm. And I think a lot of musicians that I meet are purely, like, all creative and no business. Yeah. But I'm very interested in the business side of things. And I think, like, I, I never... I don't play an instrument, which is unusual for a musician. I don't... Like, I mean, you could call my voice an instrument, but, like, a physical instrument. Yeah. Um, I can't read music. I can't, like... I'm not, I didn't go to jazz school like a lot of people here went to jazz school and, and trained. Like, I didn't do any of that. Yeah. Um, I went to NASDA. I don't know if you know, if you know what NASDA yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I did, I moved from Auckland and I went to study um, a Bachelor of Performing Arts, which is, for anyone that doesn't know, it's a Bachelor in Musical Theatre, essentially. So singing, acting, and dancing combined. Um, most of my background was in dancing for years, since I was about five loved singing was always there acting not as much but I dropped out in my second year like I really didn't enjoy it and I just didn't enjoy the combination of all of them together I just wanted to do dancing as dancing and singing as singing yeah like acting (laughs) not that bit but um yeah just like it wasn't really what I wanted to do yeah um and I had to definitely like redirect but I've always viewed Prince as like a whole project, like the whole image rather than just the music. What do you think the difference is between what you didn't like about studying and then using those exact same skills? Mm. Musical theatre is very niche. Okay. Um, 
Also, like, the environment at NASDA was horrific, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Right. Um, it was quite a... It, it was painted to me when I came down for an open day the year before. Um, it was painted as, like, this big, happy family. Mm. And you would literally like walk down the hallways and everyone's singing like it was like it was like a movie like it's you like walk down, everyone's sing- yeah, <laughs> honestly it, it was like that and right. i don't know whether people dialed that up when you know when they were having open days or whatever but it was just painted as like this magical place mm. um but in reality there's 20 people that get selected every year for every class so it's across the country which is like quite exclusive yeah and at the end of the day, everyone's fighting for, you know, the females are fighting for the main roles. The males are right. fighting for the main roles. So there's this constant competition, Oof. which does not leave, like, it doesn't really leave, like, a good environment. No, yeah, I can't imagine it would, yeah. Yeah. But on top of that, like, you know, there is all the stuff that was happening with uni, but in reality, like, I was also just going through a really difficult time um, in my first well just the whole time like since I moved to Christchurch my first couple of years here were probably the worst years of my life like real rock bottom really tough time had some rough things going on um and so I I was also struggling to just keep up with going to uni as it was Mm. so the combination of like me just like hating life at home and then hating uni and I didn't know anybody in Christchurch like I moved here by myself I didn't know anyone Mm not a single person so it was it was really hard like I was just not in a good spot yeah yeah that's a big step to move to a different city and not know anyone mm. yeah I yeah it's, it's a funny it's a funny thing like I finished year 13 um I got kicked out of home like five days after I turned 18 from my parents because I wanted to go to town <laughs> twice in one twice in one weekend and my parents were quite strict yeah and they let me go out one night, like the Friday or whatever, and I wanted to go out the Saturday, and I lied to them about where I was going, and went out, and they found out about it, and sure enough, they were just like, Ooh. absolutely, yeah, <laughs> it was not good. I was like, but I'm 18, I want to go out. <laughs> yeah, so I went out anyway, and then they found out about it, and just absolutely lost it at me, and um, yeah, it kicked me out, and then the next day they were like, oh, you can, you know, obviously you can come back, but, you know, things need to change, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I don't want to paint them out to be like, they kicked me out, and we'll, like, I have a great relationship with my parents, but, um, yeah, it was a very interesting time, and I'd actually saved up quite a lot of money, what I thought was quite a lot of money at the time, I saved up about, I think it was like, nearly like nine grand or something from working at school. That's pretty good. And, yeah, and it, I had access to this money, and so I'd... I'd Went to my friend's house. My parents texted me the next day. You can come back. And I was like, do you know what? I'm, I'm not coming back. And I've never been back since. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like, like, lived there since. Yeah. Um, so that's, it was quite an interesting transition. I was very, very angry at the world at the time. Yeah. And I knew that I was moving to Christchurch a couple of months later. But I think part of me thinks, looking back on it, that I convinced myself that I wanted to go to NASDA purely because I wanted to be in a different city where I had the freedom to do what I wanted to do without my parents yeah. telling me that I couldn't do something. I think that was actually driving it, now mm. looking back at it. I didn't realise that at the time. I just, you know, I, I loved acting, singing, dancing. I loved it. But looking back, I'm like, is that really what I wanted to do? Like, I didn't know that. I just, yeah. 
I just told myself that that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> well, you know, I feel like it's it's worked out well for you be, mm-hmm. because because it's you know singing dancing has become such an integral part of your yeah. life. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I definitely didn't know what was going to happen. Like yeah. I, I wasn't like following this passion or anything. I was just kind of doing the only thing that I knew how to do, which was like performing. This is all I knew. So yeah. What from because I feel like it's obvious what, what from a sh- short time um, doing doing musical theatre, theatre mm-hmm. studies, it um, has kind of been able to translate over. Mm-hmm. But what from real estate are you thinking about when you're thinking about print? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it's more just the the mindset of understanding that music... And, like, Prince is actually a business, Mm. you know? And I really view it like that. Like, I talk about it as a business. Mm. I talk about Prince as, like, a third-person thing, even though Prince is technically me. Yeah. I view it as a very third-person thing. And And I looked at the way that musicians that I knew, even just in Christchurch at the time when I was starting out, were viewing music, and it was all very emotional, and it was all very, like... Oh, I wrote this guitar riff and it has to be this guitar riff because that's the vision for the song and I'm like because I don't have that same technical connection to m- the music side of things I never viewed it like that and I always just looked at the results and was kind of like that. that's great that you want your your idea and your guitar and your this and that to be in it but if nobody's listening to it yeah then it's going to be a pretty short-lived career that's such a that's oh my god that's such a fascinating (laughs) because i i have that exact same thing as well where i would get so frustrated at my like musician friends yeah like just taking a little too long to like put their release together so they missed like a really good window or just making like really like really stupid decisions around like how they're doing like the marketing yeah or just like biffing it up there and not doing any marketing yeah you know etc 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 and and it always used to frustrate me and i'm like why are they doing it like this blah 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 and so then when i started moving into like making music mm-hmm. yeah i almost feel like maybe it is because i didn't have that initial yeah technical connection mm. with actually composing you know just coming in as kind of like a vocalist yeah as a rapper you're still able to kind of distance yourself enough yeah. from the original composition mm-hmm. where it's more malleable yes. to to achieving kind of the end goal yeah as well as that's so, yeah i don't know that's yeah. such a fascinating observation to me i think that um i think just kind of going back to the the real estate question like the real estate side of it that really helped me just view it as a business Mm. and know that you can't get too attached to things because even like even real estate like I was working helping manage a real estate team and the team that I was working for um were quite young as far as like real estate agent goes and they they were doing stuff that was quite out the box um 
just in terms of marketing, in terms of getting their names out, and they, they absolutely were killing it. Okay. And it was so cool to be a part of... It was a team called the Beachside Boys, and they they were focused all on the, um, the east side, so kind of South Brighton, all the way through, like, Parklands, that kind of area. So a lot of, like, as is where is houses at the time from earthquakes and stuff like yeah. that. So they had to get really creative. They were all surfers, like... And it was such a fun environment. Like, I'd go into the office and... If the surf was good that day, they'd be like, guys, we're, we're going to work for a couple of hours and then we're going over to the West Coast, we're going surfing. Like, they, it was just like a really fun, but they worked so hard. Yeah. And they just, yeah, they just made it a really, really fun and interesting environment. So already, even from like a business perspective, they were thinking outside the box. Mm. And so it pushed me to like be creative in a business environment, mm. if that makes sense. Um, I guess it's quite music's quite comparable with real estate as well because houses are designed they're a piece of art on their own you know architecture mm-hmm. and all that but as you said if you're a home buyer it's important you don't get too attached to a house because yeah. you might not get it in yeah. the auction you know yeah, what I mean it's still, you still need a little bit of that cold business mindset yeah and not to get too attached to kind yeah. of an outcome that doesn't exist yet. That's exactly right. And even even like as somebody selling a house, because I was selling my real estate license mm. all through the time that I was working there, and I got my real estate license, and literally the week that I got it, our office got bought out by Bailey's, and I was made redundant from my job. <laughs> I was there for three years. Oh my yeah, it God. was it was a really fun time. Um, and this was in the middle of COVID. I think this was the the end of 2020. Wow. And when that happened, I managed to find a couple of like buyers that we were working with and, and started doing kind of about 20 hours a week. So I, I started doing five days a week and then I went down to four days a week. So I was playing gigs yeah. on the weekend and then I went to 20 hours mm. and then I got made redundant from that job as well. Mm. Um and just in the in that time period, I was like, okay, well, do I go and find another job to like supplement what I'm doing, mm. or do I try and do music full time? Mm. And this is in the middle of COVID, which is not a good time to like That's make crazy. that decision. That's a crazy decision. <laughs> yeah, because I yeah. was like hardly playing gigs. Obviously, you know, we weren't allowed yeah. to we weren't allowed to perform as a band. So I was doing like just duo gigs because it was too many people in a room. Blah blah blah. All that, mm. all the rules and everything else so it was a very interesting time to make that segue (laughs) but I did and I have been doing it ever since and but I was doing like I was doing covers and stuff at the time which I'm not doing anymore Mm. um so it's been yeah it's just been a very very interesting transition between real estate to music to just originals it's been a very very interesting time where did you even start after you made that decision like I started like, booking okay. a lot of gigs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was like, I need to pay my rent. <laughs> um, yeah, like, like luckily I'd been playing a lot anyway. Yeah. Um, and like I was not, I, I think as well, like at the time that I was doing real estate, I was also living by myself for mm. about two years. I'd sort of come out of quite a bad relationship and I was just not in a good spot and I needed to, I had this beautiful little house and it was like a little sanctuary place just for me to get my shit together essentially yeah. um, because after that relationship ended I 
didn't like being by myself like I had a lot of things that I needed to kind of like look internally at and sort out um, and so I used that time in that house I was paying $310 a week Oof. every week by myself just just in rent mm. but I, I knew that I like needed to learn how to be alone I hated like spending time with myself and I was like that's not healthy like that's not probably not a good sign yeah <laughs> like I yeah. need to be able to sit with myself and like be okay with what's going on so I spent a lot of time like two years sort of doing that um but then when I transitioned into music I was not living by myself anymore so my costs were down a lot okay. which meant that I didn't need to generate as much to yeah. be able to survive <laughs> yeah does that, does that mean you're a meditation girly? Were you doing a lot of time? I wish meditating? that I. I actually wish that I was. Um, I wish that I was. No, I. I want to be. I want yeah. to sit here and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm really disciplined. I meditate. <laughs> I. I went through like. I definitely went through a phase of. At that time, like it kind of started with audiobooks, um, just like a lot of self development, like reading, and I did read some. Um, some books by like the Dalai Lama and stuff like that so like I, I kind of tinkered in that area yeah but I think the the business side of me could never fully let me go down that path if that makes sense yeah um, I would like to get into meditation to be honest but I just I just haven't yeah yeah I haven't yet yeah you know, it's just not productive enough it's not and I, I see people like because I had like friends from you know from business yeah which were very 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 different mindset and then I've got like my very free-spirited mm-hmm. friends and I just would always look at the two and go it's I don't I didn't want to be too much on either yeah. side you know I don't want to be too much business way because then I would lose the creative side which is obviously a big part of me and I don't want to go too creative because I see those people just get lost in, I guess, like, the emotions of being a creative person. Yeah. And then they never get any shit done. And then they never, they can never, like, put a career together because they're too busy just feeling things. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah, no, that (laughs) makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Do you you feel like that, that's what's been responsible for kind of all your success so, so far, that kind of, like, business side of you? I'd say it's a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Perspective and understanding, like, just not to get too emotionally attached to it. Yeah. And and trying to see things for what it is. Like, it's very hard to be honest with yourself as an artist, I think. Because you... it's, It's... Especially when you're, like, writing songs, it's very easy to get attached to a certain idea and a certain feeling of how you want it to go, but... It's really, like, it's a, a really important thing for me has been an understanding of, like, collaboration and, like, mm. leading other people's ideas um, into a certain project and, like, just letting go a little bit and wanting, like, caring more about the overall picture rather than, like, the tiny little details. Like, oh, that was yeah. my lyric or that was my idea. It's like, no, it's just, like, you want the song to be good, you know? So what does that process look like for you since you don't play any instruments? How how, how do you guys formulate music? Yeah, that's a fair question. Um, <laughs> it's it's been it's definitely been an interesting journey. Um, when I first started, I was working with a producer for a little while, who was very very attached to the ideas, and it was actually a 
an extremely toxic environment for me. I was constantly told that, you know, the reason that a song did well or didn't do well or whatever was um, was because of their ideas, and I was mm. just, I was just there sending emails like I wasn't, I didn't understand the music side. It was like a very, very, yeah, it was a very toxic environment, and like to the point where when I finally removed myself from that after about like nine songs or something mm. quite a lot which don't exist on the internet anymore by the way oh you purged them I got rid of them I got rid Ooh. of them I was like that is not me that doesn't represent me very well this is, does this mean we're going to get Prince version in like 10 years from now oh my god maybe <laughs> maybe yeah <laughs> we'll see nah the songs are just they. you can find them on my website actually okay because I, I did obviously have a wee, wee little bit of like a fan base that were following those songs so I put yeah. them up I think you can find them for like a dollar on my website if people really want like the OG songs okay interesting um, yeah you can go and find them and you can download them and, and have a listen to them but they don't exist for like on Spotify or anything like that right um, but anyway the, yeah so coming out of that I I was in a really really bad headspace like writing wise like I couldn't I started working with my manager Luke who I'm working with now still um, came in and kind of removed me from that whole environment and started pushing me towards writing with other people and I I didn't realize how terrified I was mm. and how you know you've been sitting in this environment being told that you don't know what you're doing and mm. because you didn't study music like your ideas basically don't matter mm. Um, and then I got, you know, I put myself in a room with Lee Matthews, like straight after that. Mm. And I went up there and I was terrified. Like I was sweating. I was like, <laughs> I was freaking out because I didn't think, and I still sometimes like struggle with it. Like didn't think that I was a songwriter. Like didn't yeah. think that I was going to be good enough. And, um, fortunately for me, like I went into that session and Tom, who's one of the, the Lee Matthews boys, um, you know, created a really nice environment. It was really helpful, and we wrote "Don't Say It," um, mm. which is the first song that I released with them. And a day fully recorded, done, and it's still to this day like my biggest song that I've put out. And they they loved it so much that they invited me back the next day, and we wrote "Calm Down," which was the other one. Two days back to back. Back to back. Didn't have to touch them after those two days. Like they wow. just came out, boom, done. And yeah. both of them are my biggest songs that I have on Spotify. Those collabs with them, so yeah. So it was it was a bit of a confidence boost, like coming out of that environment and being put into something new. Being like, okay, maybe I can, you know, maybe I can pull something together and I can do this and I I do have good ideas. Um, But I couldn't even sing in front of my manager. Like I couldn't even record vocals. Like I was an absolute disaster of a human being. (laughs) Um, I just didn't believe myself. Like I didn't think that I had any good ideas, and it's taken a really long time to to break out of that headspace. I still sometimes find myself like just going back and I'm like, no, 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 we don't go there anymore. <laughs> like, you can do it. And so just finding better teams of people to work with and people that actually have, I don't know, that actually like understand what you're trying to do and are happy to throw ideas around and not judge you. And, you know, it's, it's hard to find people like that. And luckily the team I have around me now are really, really great and really supportive. So it's helped me a lot. Do you, do you kind of act as the, the leader in your team? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So the way that I kind of write and release my songs, I guess I would say the best way to describe it is like, I, I do, 
I do like write and produce. As I was going to say produce because I don't physically produce, but I, mm. I bring the ideas into the sound that I want and pick sure. and choose. Like, yep, I like that, but I don't like that. Why don't we try something like this? And, mm. But I'm not You're physically. You're the creative director. Yes. Yeah. yeah, there we go. The creative director. So the whole, everything that I put out is my idea and my, my idea of what I think sounds good. Yeah. And the direction that I want to push in. I just don't physically get on the computer and produce it. When it comes to songwriting, um, I have recently been working with, well, I say recently, it's been like the past year, I've been working with a team, a, a couple up in LA, and the three of us just get together, it's literally been on Zoom the entire mm. time, and we just start with some very basic kind of chord ideas, um, and we just write, and, and like I talk about what I want to write about, and we just like nitpick it and just put it together, the three of us have been putting it together lyrics and melody and stuff like that and then just to Mm. break that down yes like when you're when you're talking about taking the chords and that's kind of where you start what's your level of like deep like not playing it so are you Mm. are you you know they play them out for you on a piano or a guitar or something and then you're tone matching that and you're here or with your voice yeah so i i definitely i definitely can I definitely know my instrument as a vocalist and can, um, yeah, can pitch and can put it together. I, like, I can definitely put it together and I can even like sing like chord parts and stuff like oh, that. Okay, I just cool. can't physically do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, no, cool, yeah. So it's like, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not like I don't know music. Yeah. I just don't know the theory of music. No, yeah, that makes at sense. All. <laughs> well, so much of it is just training and intuition. Yeah. Yeah. That's the annoying part. I thought I could smart my way into playing piano, but it's been like three years. I'm still rubbish. Yeah, don't worry about it. (laughs) I feel the same way. Yeah, it's one you just got to stick at it if you really want to actually actually like learn an instrument properly. Then got to put some time in, time work. Yeah. Um, But sometimes as well, like there's been a couple of songs that I've just sung a cappella, and I've literally just recorded it to a metronome. And then given it to producer, like my producer team that I work with, and being like, "Hey, like this is my idea, this is the kind of vibe that I'm after." Sometimes I pull together like two songs from Spotify, and I'm like, "I imagine it being a combination of like this and this," mm-hmm. and and I just so I can get the vibe, and I can kind of explain the sort of yeah, this, the vibe of the song that I'm looking for. Yeah, and that's quite that's quite a good way to go off as well. Actually, I do that quite a lot. But, but yeah, just fully a cappella. Just sing it. And I, and like I can hear the chords in my head. Yeah. And I can sing it on, in like a proper chord pr- progression without any... Yeah. That's, I mean, that's impressive. It works. It works. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It would be handy if I actually probably knew some chords. Maybe I have to sort that out at some point. But also, I've gotten this far, so... <laughs> what, do you, what do you feel like has... I feel like it's so hard to be a pop star in New Zealand. Maybe mm-hmm. that's a bad call, but it's so no, hard. No, it's really hard. You know what I mean? It's like we yeah. people here, we, we love drum and bass music. We can't get enough of it. I know. But anyone who wants to be a pop star, a rapper, anything like yeah. that, like we really don't have the time of day. No, we what don't. Do you, what do you think has given you the ability even to just get a little bit of traction on the pop star thing? It's, it's hard. Um, just persistence, to be honest. Like... I think having a little bit of edge has helped me maybe stand out a mm. little bit. And I definitely try to, um, 
I, tr- I, I feel like I can win people over in the live show. So if I can get people to yeah. see the live performance, usually that translates into fans for me. But obviously, you have to have the songs to get the gigs in the first place. So yeah. it is it is a bit of like a cat and mouse like situation or chicken and the egg. Um, I think Lee Matthews really helped me, to be honest. Helped well, really yeah. put me on the map. Was it strategic? Was it a strategic partnership? You know, work with some no. electronic artists and... You know, because we love a bit of Lee Matthews here yeah. in New Zealand, you know yeah. what I mean? Ooh. Like, I guess... I'd like to say that it was it was strategic, but... Like, like it kind of was, but I didn't think that it would have the impact that yeah. it did. And also, the time that I, that I met up with them... Um, Takeover was really just starting to get traction. Like, they're, they're okay. big, big, yeah. big song. Um, and so they were sort of... It's not like they were already massive. I mean, they were definitely quite big. But they're they... Yeah, the time that we released Don't Say It, they started having quite a moment of exponential growth. Yeah. And so it was it was just good timing, I think, for me as well. And obviously Don't Say It did pretty well. So I was very, very stoked. But... Yeah, it, it wasn't super strategic. Now looking back on it, I'm like, that was a, a really good call. Yeah, you nailed it with yeah, that one. <laughs> it was a very, very good call. Um, yeah, and then obviously, like, drum and bass has just gotten more and more massive in New Zealand. So yeah. it's it's really cool to be a part of that. I think, especially as a pop artist, it's nice to have some brownie points in, like, the, the tradey, like, mm. Polzar sort of area. I think it, it has made me kind of cool mm. for a lot of people instead of just being just a, a pop artist I think I would have missed out on um quite a big fan base sort of transferring over to my own stuff yeah um so yeah in terms of that it's been it's been really good um and then obviously we did a second one as well so just just sort of keeping that there I am actually working on another one not with not with Lee Matthews but a different drum and bass artist okay I wasn't sure whether I should keep doing it because obviously I'm trying to push my my own pop stuff, yeah. but um, but at the same time, I'm like, who cares? <laughs> like, <laughs> who cares? Like, if people like it, then people like it. No, right? exactly. Yeah. I'm like, what does it matter? Like, look at Becky Hill; she's bigger than every single artist that she collaborates with. Yeah. It's like people don't really care. Like, it's if you like the song, you like the song, you know. No. Yeah. Exactly. So we'll see. Yeah. But I, the one thing that it has done for me, which I found quite funny, like when I started booking festivals, quite a few people thought that I was a DJ. Interesting. Yeah. And I had offers from festivals being like, can Prince play this, this DJ slot? Mm. And I'm like, um, I'm not a DJ. <laughs> I don't know where you got that from. It's very strange. Like I have a full band. Now yeah. I have like a full dancers, like a, dancers, a full yeah. pop show. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's taken some education, but I guess that's how big those songs were. Like yeah, those the, those songs with Lee Matthews like obviously skewed people's perception of like what I was doing and who I was. So there's definitely been a, an education phase of letting people know what I actually do, and I think that's starting to even out. I think people know now. Mm. Pretty sure people know now what they do. I haven't had any DJ offers for a while, so <laughs> that's a good sign. I think. <laughs> is is the next what's your kind of do you do you want to be like the the big fish in a small pond of New Zealand Absolutely or not. are you trying to get into because no. you know you've been you played in like the Philippines and yes. in London as yes. well right and it's like yeah you know which is 
crazy and exciting and I also felt I was like god the Philippines is such like a niche country to be um I'm an artist best known in New Zealand and the Philippines. It's kind of like a weird thing to... Yeah, it's a it's a funny one. Um, yeah, the Philippines... So, how that even came about was my manager, at the time that I met him, I, I met him for the first time. He flew down from Auckland to help me set up my, my library. So, I'd never even like played a show before. Right. Never done electronic music. And his whole thing he's been like an audio engineer and mm. he's been doing that sort of stuff forever so he flew down to help me we met for the first time and while we were there over across the course of the two days he was talking to me about my plans for the year like my goals for the year mm. and we started fleshing out some things and he actually had done a tour with his own band um through the philippines mm. and basically pitched it to me as this idea of like you can go and have this crazy experience for pretty cheap, for one. Mm. You can go and test out your live rig and your show and see what the reaction is without doing it in New Zealand and having it detrimental to mm. your growth if it doesn't go well. Um, and then the other thing is, like, because it's a third world country, you have to know your rig and your setup so well because every single show you go to, half the gear's broken, nothing works you can't use this, you can't use your in-ears, like, it's every single show, you have to problem-solve on the spot. Wow. And so, it's a really good way of getting to know your gear, getting to know, like, how well you can problem-solve, how well you can actually pretty much put on a show, mm. and if you can pull it all together. He's, like, literally just said to me, if you can do that in the Philippines, then you can do that anywhere. Mm. And then the other side of it, which is kind of like a, a funny joke between us, is that he just... He sort of said to me something along the lines of, like, you know, I I sort of talk to people about going to the Philippines and people always say they're going to do it, but they're never going to do it. And I was like, saw this as this little, like, competition. (laughs) This little, like, this little poke of the bear. Yeah. And I just said to him, I was like, what, you don't think that I would do it? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I don't know, we'll see. And four months later, we went on that tour. Wow. And I pulled some funding together, got a couple of, like, investors involved. And then we played for three weeks in the Philippines and then came back and I was like, see that? <laughs> Which is such a weird reason to do something. But um, that's that's how it came up. And then, yeah, the, the Philippines is just a, a crazy fan base. Like, they, mm. there's not a lot of foreigners that go over there and so they're not used to seeing, as blatant as it is, like a, you know, a Western pop star right. come in. And so they just lose their shit. It's fascinating. They love it. So it's a it's a weird little it's a weird little ego boost in a way. Yeah. And it's almost like it's not real life because, you know, they don't know anything about me, they don't know my music. Mm. But they still put you on this pedestal and it kind of kind of taught me how to step into the role of like being a, a pop star, I guess, or like mm. being the person that they wanted me to be. Because I don't want they don't want you to be on this the same like level the same like friend you know like have a chat sort of thing they want to elevate you and like put you in this place wow they they don't want a normal interaction they want to like have that little moment so it's quite it's quite a good test It, it was really fun and and obviously we got to go back for the second time last year yeah and I played my first international festival there to 15,000 Filipinos which was like (laughs) so crazy um 
yeah so i just want to i want to keep servicing that because it's just such a fun experience i love traveling i love just i love crazy stories so i'm like i'll always go back every year i'll go back to the philippines and try and just grow that market because it's fun why not it seems <laughs> crazy that not more people like surely more people should go there right yeah it's I, pretty I it's testing like a, it's a third it's, world country but don't english is like one of their primary languages yeah so they're, like yeah, they're, they're not, pretty good yeah they're pretty good um it's just impossible like it, i don't know what it is about filipino culture but it's almost impossible to like get a hold of anybody like we had one one connection who was my my booking agent i'm not even gonna call him that because he was just a guy (laughs) he he booked a couple of like punk hardcore shows at some point and he was just this funny guy who took us on he, he literally calls himself Jed left-handed. He literally has one hand. <laughs> and half the time I spoke to him, he was homeless because his house was flooded. Like, it was so mm. random. And he pulled together this tour for us somehow. Yeah. Um, it was pretty loose, but, like, I'm, I'm not surprised. I think a lot of people wouldn't go there because, like, you can't... It just doesn't make sense for right. most people. And I think a lot, of, a lot of artists want to... They care about, like, wanting to make money. They don't want to lose money. They don't want to... I don't know, they just don't want to put themselves in that sort of position. Sure. But I'm all for the experience, so yeah. I'm like, I'll do anything. <laughs> like, I'll go do those shows. No yeah. one else is going to do them. Yeah. I just love a good story. <laughs> hey, it's a great story, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I love putting It'll... people in funny situations. I love, like, taking my band over there. The first time I went, my guitarist had never left the country. The second time I went, my bass player had never left the country before. And I took her to the Philippines, and she was just like holy shit <laughs> yeah i can't believe i can't believe you stole our blaze pair from from fat 80s you go what do you mean the... she still plays oh, it she still play there? yeah she still plays it she still has her cover band when she's not on tour with me oh okay okay emily yeah yeah that was a mind trip seeing seeing her in a photo with, uh, with you like doing a show or whatever and then i was like i would put money on that so go from fat 80s i've been yeah. i've seen her in my drunken vision a little too many times not to recognize her you know, yeah having a so boogie funny. on the dance floor yeah that no, she's she's great um she's awesome like her and when i sort of went through the transition of my old band old musical mm. and, and transitioned into like i guess taking it seriously yeah um my bass player emily and my guitarist caleb both joined me on the same day at the same time mm. So we've been together pretty much for, I'd say it'd be close to three years. Yeah, it'd be close to three years now that yeah. they've been with me. Um, but yeah, I it was a weird transition phase. Like, I just lost my guitarist. Well, we were not on good terms and hadn't been for a while. Like, mm. it was very not a good environment and didn't really get on very well. And then... Um, he sort of left, and then my bass player, who was living with him at the time, he also left because they were obviously living together. So I had a drummer <laughs> and me, and I had, in about, I think it was like the next week, I had one of my biggest gigs at Mono mm. to a thousand people, and I had no band. Yeah. And I was like, I knew that they wanted me to pull out of that gig, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to make it work. Yeah. And I found Emily, and I found Caleb, and I brought them in, and I was like, guys... I have this gig for you next week. Mm. I need you to learn the whole set. Like, do you want to be in Friends? And I've been with them ever since. They're amazing. Like, so lucky. Clutch. Wow. I've had so many moments like that where yeah. I've just, like, been really pushed to the edge of, is this going to work out? 
like do you have to pull out of this thing or whatever but the same thing happened with the drummer like we had a drummer pull out mid tour last year Mm. um, on the day of a gig and we had to cancel the show because we couldn't we and it was you know been marketed for quite a while spent a lot of money on marketing like it was also um, it was also Caleb and Emily's birthdays are back to back like Mm. And we had the Wellington show on the night of their birthdays oh, as well. Man. So then we were like driving to the airport and this bloody dude pulled out and obviously no longer a part of the band anymore. Yeah. Um, but that was the last time that we had a drummer. Wow. And now I don't play with the drummer because we, we, again, we had to problem solve very last minute. And my, my manager Luke found a, found a way around it, which is, it's quite interesting. Like he, found a session drummer a very very good session drummer in Germany Mm. and we got him to record the entire set live drums interesting and then he sent over the drum tracks and we edited them into our tracks as a live drummer so if you Mm. go to a show and you close your eyes it sounds like there's a live drummer on stage because they're not they're not like pad drums like it's an actual drum kit and it's mixed like a drum kit yeah everything and we did that to kind of save the tour so we didn't have to cancel the next week of shows and we weren't really sure how it was going to go we tested it like on the day of a Hamilton show being like is it like hopefully it works and it was so much better interesting Um, because we had problems with like cymbals leaking into the mic in small rooms and like volume issues and stuff anyway so it was kind of like a way around that and we've kept it ever since and so every time we have a new song we add a new song to the set we send it to this German guy and like, <laughs> he like records the drums and then he sends it back and yeah it saved a lot of problems so, so does that mean your like your backing track is because you have the live band for the other instruments so it's just I have it for bass and guitar and okay. then everything else is track because my, my is music track. is quite electronic yeah, now sure, right. and it, it didn't used to be when I first like when I first first started it was quite bandy mm. um but I wanted to like get away from that and start going electronic so the only live instruments are drums technically um and then yeah bass and guitar who's so, who's cueing like the backing tracks are you on um some of them are uh like so, some of them are connected so some songs blend into okay. other songs and then Caleb is on stage just has a little trigger just oh, yeah. literally just clicks a button yeah and then done yeah so it's been a very interesting like evolution of how the live show is but we've kind of refined it to a point where I I wanted to I still wanted to keep some live elements because mm. it's like a lot of my experience and then also I love like guitar solos and oh. I love like little moments and I think it makes the show way more interesting especially for a punter, like, having little dynamic moments in the set, and then also, like, having other things to look at, and, like, yeah. you know, just I just think it's a much more interesting show, rather than just, like, me and a backing track. I think it's just quite flat and boring, and I don't want to do that. Like, <laughs> it's just people staring at me for, like, 45 minutes. It's just, okay, like, it's hard to keep that attention, you know? Well, I feel like that speaks to what you were talking about earlier with, with kind of your idea of your business model where it's like if you can get people to the shows mm. and then really blow them away, then they're fans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's nothing worse than like liking an artist and then seeing them live and being disappointed. Because that's happened a few times for me. Yeah. And just understanding what 
like psychologically like what that does for me when I watch other artists and I have that experience I'm yeah. like oh my god that's actually terrifying like that can destroy a fan completely yeah and that's it's that's happened to me for a couple of artists that I was really excited about yeah and then I've seen it and I'm like ah oh, that's just put like a bad taste in my mouth and you kind of like you kind of stop listening to them and you're like you know just a bit of a segue so I kind of have that in the back of my mind all the time and I'm like I'd rather have my um my reputation precede me mm. rather than people come to a show and be like oh yeah do you get recognized a lot <laughs> what's that do you get recognized a lot Just like um, walking around chilling out I, I do in Christchurch yeah. yeah but I think New Zealanders are pretty chill about yeah. that sort of thing you know I think I think they wouldn't really come up to you that often anyway but I, I definitely I do it's happening more and more yeah um, which is cool like it's a it's a good sign yeah. sign that it's going in the right direction so yeah it's odd though it's a weird feeling because you're so in it like you don't realise your own growth you know yeah. you're just living day by day just doing your best and sometimes I kind of like need to remind myself to like stop and zoom out for a second and realise like how far we've actually come you know you just get stuck in the whirlwind of a day have you do you feel like all your fan interactions have kind of been positive yeah 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 100 percent. yeah yeah I, i've got a really 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 cool fan base um and it's such a mixture of people as well like yeah you know, i was gonna say how would you even define the the prince fan base it seems hard to get kind of like a grip I on know. i don't know i i think it's i i can't quite put my finger on it to be honest because yeah. it's like there's lots of young girl fans Mm -hmm. there's the whole like lgbtq community is quite big the but then i've got like the tradies from like the drum and bass scene that like are fully into it (laughs) then i've got like really really young people i just did a a two-week schools tour in christchurch over just at the end of last year so now i've got this big influx of really young fans i've got a lot of like older people that that seem to really enjoy it. Like I actually don't even know. I mm. I really don't know. But I think it's a good sign. I've got a multi generational sort of, um, sort of fan base. Like, mm. Yeah, don't don't know. I can't quite put a finger on it. Interesting. I'm I'm glad though because I wouldn't want to just be down one vein and. Yeah. You did. You didn't think about kind of your your customer avatar or whatever when you were kind of putting your brand. What together. do you mean? You know, like the the. I feel like in business so often you, you kind of think about the person that you're trying to market to mm. and then the, your, your kind of brand messaging becomes about that person and then because you're specifically targeting you know this this um, fully developed character you end up catching a whole bunch of mm. audiences in the net you know what I mean like when, when you're thinking about okay so this yeah, so, so when you're thinking about, like, a, you just finished working on a song, or you're working on a song, or whatever, and you're like, is my bass going to like this? Mm. Who are you, you thinking about? I don't think like that. Okay. I don't think about it like that at all. Yeah. Um, I think if you try to write for a certain target market, it will never work. Mm. Because you don't know what people are going to connect to mm. you know maybe, maybe you have like a you think that it's going to be this and it, it never is and I think 
I think I've noticed that the more and more that I do it, like it's people that you don't expect that right. connect to it. And so I think the best thing that I can do and what I what I try and remind myself every time I do something is like what people are buying into, you know, maybe they like some songs, maybe they like my image, maybe they like whatever it is, maybe they like my backstory. Like the only thing that that I have is my opinion of things mm. and what I think like how I view the world and that's what people are buying into mm. they're buying into what my opinion is of what I think is cool and so all I have to do is be completely authentic and true to myself and by doing that you will get a pro- you will get a real fan base you won't get people who like they think that you're this person because you tried to be that person for a few songs and then you changed your mind and you went a different direction you know yeah it's it's that that's like I feel like by doing that it would be a surefire way to just earn fans for like five minutes and then they get bored of you because yeah. they're not the, you're not the person that they thought you were yeah so I, yeah I just I always try to stay completely authentic to myself and just develop myself as a person and people either like it or they don't but the ones that do are your true they're your true fans and that's what you want like yeah. you want real fans you don't want this like surface level thing because especially like if it if it doesn't go well or if it doesn't if it doesn't pop off globally or whatever I could make a living off like a thousand fans that were like true hardcore hardcore fans that would pay for tickets and merch and whatever rather than just like having a hundred thousand people that like don't really show up Mm. and so I I try to really focus on having like core fans and growing that that fan base if that makes sense no that makes yeah that makes perfect sense yeah Yeah. I think think maybe Kevin Kelly I think there's a guy who wrote um, the original A Thousand True Fans essay a long time ago on the internet something like that maybe that's completely wrong but you know I I I think that's where that the concept yeah no I, I that's so true I guess maybe if I if I reframe it because I mm. love that I love that thought process I, I think um the good work is done when you're kind of doing it in truth mm. and, and, and not kind of pandering to the opinions people of other tell. people I yeah think people can tell and yeah it becomes really obvious if you're not being honest if you know what I mean what what would be if I was like an investor mm. um, or someone maybe that doesn't have financial interest that you would be like interested in working with what would but I don't know anything about Prince mm-hmm. what would be the way that you describe Prince to me in the pitch meeting like as in who so you're asking me like who is Prince like how I would describe yeah, myself yeah yeah so so I'm like ah oh, yeah I would love to invest some money with you I'd love to work with you mm-hmm. but I don't know anything about you like I'd what, say what do is some Prince? research <laughs> <laughs> no, no I'm kidding um I would say like I would say Prince is an electro pop artist yeah. who is heavily focused on live performance yeah um who has an interest in growing globally. I guess my, my overall goal is to be a, a global touring artist. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of focus on the live show and 
I guess, yeah, I guess that's kind of all I can say about it, you know, because it's hard to put your story into. Yeah. Because I'm I'm constantly evolving as an artist, so it's really hard to just like be like, oh, I'm this. That's fair. Because I could say that a year ago, but then I'm like a different person now than I was a year ago. And I'm constantly just working on evolving that. So, yeah, I guess like I'm just an an authentic artist who likes to have a little bit of edge mm. and ever changing, ever ever changing with the seasons. <laughs> the seasons. <laughs> ever changing with the seasons. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think maybe that's what makes it interesting as well. Is you can't you can't put your finger on it. Mm. So you can't be like oh. It's, I know what it is because it's too predictable that way and there's a lot of artists that I find become quite predictable and then it stops being interesting for the fans mm. you know what I mean and you, if people are like oh I kind of know what she's going to put out next it's like I'd rather just keep people on their toes I think it hooks people into the story a little bit more mm. yeah <laughs> I don't want to take up too much of your time because you, you, you know you're, you're very busy very valuable you know you're a um Traveling around. Yes. I guess. Traveling around. Only a couple more questions then. Yeah. I I was curious about your, how you've managed to stay so consistent throughout all of this. You know, it sounds like you've had several different areas and and several occasions of having kind of like a bit of a rough start coming into this. Yeah. Um, but throughout this whole thing, it seems like you've been able to, yeah, just show up, just show up every time, show up to the shows, show up to posting content, show up to making music. Yeah. How how are you doing that? Where's that coming from? I think when you have a real passion for something, it, it makes it a lot easier. You know, like, it's not work for me. It's just all that I care about. It's, like, the most important thing to me is is music and wanting to make this work because the alternative... Well, there is no alternative. There is no no plan B for me anymore. Right. And so I think definitely having that driving in the background. Like, I, I just... I love it. I just really, really love it. I'd say, like, a big part of it as well is... Um, having my manager who was also my partner mm. with me like he's been with me since 2021 um since I released follow me which is kind of how I in, in my own head I view like my career starting from that point right I sort of deleted and erased most of my existence prior <laughs> to that so releasing follow me was was the first song that I'd done outside of um, my old production team and stuff so I really like I really really have a very supportive and driven motivated person that I'm with every single day and he cares about what I'm doing I would say almost as much no probably I would say maybe even more than me (laughs) like we're both almost like we're obsessed yeah we're absolutely obsessed with it and it's all that we want to do with our time like his whole his whole thing has been live shows and audio and like he um records and does all the production on my vocals and stuff so mm. everything that i can't do he can do and everything that he can't do i can do mm. 
So the two of us have like a very, very unique dynamic and range of experience between us that makes it just like this fun game. Like we'll just sit up, we just sit up and we work until 2, 3 a.m. because we love it. Like, and we both love traveling. We both love taking risks. We love touring. And I guess when you're on the road with the person that you would be at home with anyway, like you don't, Mm. you're not missing anything. You know, it's not like you've got a partner at home who's like waiting for you to get back from tour. You're both just doing it together. So we're not, we're not missing anything. Yeah. Um, which makes it really easy to just keep pushing. And I think we like a little bit of competition between us too. And so we just sit there and we come up with crazy ideas and like all through COVID, we just were planning this like world tour that we we're going to do when we got out. And it's just, and it's, con- and it's constantly evolved. Like as we've had different opportunities come up and different things have popped up, it's, it's evolved so many times and we're just, we just love it. We just absolutely love it. And so we got off the the tour last year and we're already planning like all of our touring and stuff this year we're trying to get back to the philippines we're trying to get back to europe this year um i want to break into germany this Mm. year as a new market um yeah we just we just love a good challenge we're like what else can we do that's crazy well maybe maybe (laughs) i should have made the question when was the last time you got some rest maybe that's what it was seems like you guys are Nothing. That's the other thing. Like, I don't feel like I need it. Right. You're so fired up, so passionate. So fired up. Yeah. Like, we love it. Like we're doing the thing that we've been dreaming about for years. Yeah. And we're living and breathing it. So it's like, you know, we we get some days off here here and there. Like we play a couple of shows and we end up in in London, for example. And then we're like, okay, we'll plan like three days here where we just like chill out and go and do whatever, and then we'll get back at it. But we mm. we honestly like after a couple of days, we're both like okay let's go back to it now <laughs> like that's enough like let's do something else and and even then like on our days off we're just constantly talking about what we can do and yeah we just love it <laughs> it's as simple as that yeah just passion yeah yeah, yeah. it's so fun well final question oh man yeah you're just yeah you're so interesting i basically have got to like none of the questions i wrote down oh Um, we can do this for as long as you want you can ask away i'm really enjoying no i like talking about yeah i feel like you got whatever you want to ask it's really nice to actually sit down and and talk about this stuff properly well how about how about we do like a little quick fire quick fire one i feel like we've got a good kind of kind of scope Mm-hmm. Um, but um, how about this one? I'm um, I'm actually preparing to do my first live show on, on my own um, soon. What's your advice? Um, make sure that you market it well and focus on the details of actually making sure that the technical side of things is working properly mm. before you go out and do it like spend time actually working on it don't shortcut anything because it actually really matters yeah in the in the long run do you do you have quite like a um strict fitness routine for staying in shape for being able to dance and sing and Um, belt lyrics i just gym like i I go for walks every single day well every day that it's not raining (laughs) for about an hour to an hour and a half okay i like to do it on my own either listening to music or podcasts or um most of the time when luke and i are together we like we'll get up and we'll go for a walk in the morning like Mm. when we're here we do full like double haggly and then 
we just talk about all of our plans for the day or problem solve or like whatever we need to work on. So that I guess is the cardio, it's hardly cardio, but like that's the cardio side. Um, and then obviously dance rehearsals, but I'm a big gym bunny. I love going to the gym. Okay. Yeah. Like ideally like four times, five times a week if I can. Um, but yeah, that's just, I'm just a lifting weights girl, which is kind of funny, but it's my thing. <laughs> no, no, respect. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, love it. Um, it's insane. The, yeah, so the choreography. Yes. For your show. Mm. It's crazy. Who's responsible for that? Are you responsible for um, that? No, I wish I was. No, I I have a guy actually here based in Christchurch called Darcy Goodall. He mm. is the owner um, him and another girl called Stacy, who was one of my dancers, mm. own Visionary Dance Studio. Oh, right. Yeah, and yeah. he... I, I, I've known about him for a little while, and um, when I was ready to start creating a new show, I just... I had him up and I was like, okay, like, what do you reckon? Do you want to do this? And he was all about it, and so he's an amazing, amazing dancer, amazing choreographer, probably definitely one of the best people that I could have got, um, especially being based in Christchurch, so I'm very, very thankful to have him on board. How, how much of, like, the people that you work with and your, like, collaborations and, the, and everything along the way has come from cold outreach versus, you know, kind of networking people who know people mm. that you know? Because it seemed, you know, you kind of painted this beautiful narrative of coming to Christchurch and you did not know a single soul, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But th- kind of throughout your story, you've, you've kind of talked about... Oh, you know, I got in contact with this person and we made it yeah. happen. So how much of that is just you sending emails? In just, terms please, of please, 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 please. Um, <laughs> in terms of in terms of like the writing side of things was definitely definitely all like cold. Like my production team, my mixing, mastering, songwriting, they were all cold, mainly just because they're not in New Zealand. Right. So they had to be. Yeah. Um and then but but in terms of choreography live show my my dancers my band my makeup artists my everything they're people that I had just known worked with seen around um like for example my my makeup artist who I usually use here called Angela she worked on some shoots with me when I was doing like a little bit of modeling work like years and years ago and I've just brought her in every time ever since Mm. um Caleb, my guitarist, he actually filmed some of my music videos. He's a full-time videographer. Okay, wow. And he went to jazz school but never pursued music. Yeah. And he's, like, the most insane guitarist I've probably ever seen. And he was just this little gem that was just sitting there doing video stuff. And so he filmed 3 a.m. for me on my very early music videos. Follow me. He did Savage, my, my most recent one. Um, but, yeah, I found out that he was a guitarist and I was like... Hmm, I searched him up and I found this very like pixelated video of him actually shredding this guitar and I was like maybe he might work but maybe he's like too much of a shredder you know like not like a teen player yeah, like I'll see yeah. and then I bought him in and he's just like the most amazing like the most amazing guy the most amazing guitarist so very lucky Emily I knew through cover band stuff just sorting around yeah just picked in I just no people through people. Yeah. Christchurch is very small. Christchurch so. is very small. And I'm very resourceful. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's been a mixture of a mixture of stuff. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Cool. Yeah, I do feel like I don't know, maybe this is a bit maybe this is a little bit of ego, like arrogance talking, but Go I feel on. like it's you know, Christchurch in in itself is 
you know, New Zealand's third biggest city or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it feels like there's such like a select group of people that are like doing things, you know, for lack of a better word. Yeah. That are like really like actively like pushing for things to happen. Yeah. You know. And that's why they're easy to find. It's because there's yeah. actually not that many of them. <laughs> so yeah. you know, you just ask a few questions. And when you're here long enough. Like I'm originally from Auckland, so coming down to Christchurch I was like this is tiny yeah. like this place is very small Yeah. like I knew my way around within the first like couple of weeks like I feel like I know Christchurch better than Christchurch people know Christchurch <laughs> they're like oh we haven't driven into town for a while I'm like I could tell you like off the back of my hand like where everything is Yeah. so I think it was just a just a perspective thing for me like coming from from Auckland knowing how to network with people and connect with people and right. I also think that I'm I try to program myself to look for opportunities all the time. So mm. every time I, I meet people, I'm, I can't help myself but like think about it in somewhat of like a business sense. Like, mm. well, how can I, or like, how can I meet, like connect these people together so they can work mm. on something or, you know, yeah. and th- that's actually something that I learned through, um, through real estate was about connecting people and not worrying about whether it benefits you or not. Cause it doesn't actually matter. Yeah, you because know? it all comes, it all comes back. Yeah, do you believe so, in karma? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy answer. Just, yeah, I do. Cool. Interesting. <laughs> um, if it all went away tomorrow, how would you start oh again? God. What I feel that? like if I feel like. Away, sorry, you lost me at that. I just died inside. Yeah, if it all went away tomorrow, how would you start again? I always feel like this one's such like a generic interview question because what the framing really is is like what should someone who wants to be you mm. in three years do now so maybe that's a better question yes what, yeah, what should someone say, who wants like, to be you do, do yeah, now okay that's a better question um i would say who who like wants to do the same thing that i'm doing mm. i would say in whatever way you can get to know yourself as much as possible um and that sounds very vague and silly but Mm. it it is really it's really important like put yourself in positions where you are challenged and um take risks and learn to you know learn who you are as a person like learn how you deal with certain things and how you deal with somebody pulling things out from under the rug because it it happens all the time so i'd say that and then i'd say you know Make sure that the team that are around you from the start actually want the best for you because I think that if I didn't have somebody like Luke come in and want more for me mm. and, and show me maybe that I wasn't in a very good position, yeah. wasn't surrounded by people who truly cared about me, yeah. um, then I don't know if I would have ever made it out of that. I think I would have just been doing the same thing, right. repeating the same cycle, trying to make it work. Because um, it's really hard to see it when you're in it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like a bad relationship. Yeah, it just seems normal. It's You just don't know any better, and you're like yeah. trying, you're like clutching at straws, like trying to make things work. So I'd say really like pick your team wisely from the start. And also, don't be afraid to reach out to people that you think are going to be way bigger than you, or like... You know, maybe you think, oh, they wouldn't talk to me or they wouldn't reply to my message because you never know. Like, mm. they they do. Like, people do. Mm. 
And that's happened to me so many times where I've been like, oh, I'll never hear back from that person. And then an opportunity comes up. Mm. Happened with my production team. I was like, these guys are way bigger. Like, they won't want to work with me. Now I've worked with them on the, the last, like, 10 songs. And they're amazing. And I'm like, oh, it's so good. So just, like, yeah, just reach out to, to people and don't be the big fish in the little pond. Ever. Right. Ever, ever, ever. So bad for you. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a good answer? That's a great answer. <laughs> yeah, you're, you know, you're smashing them. <laughs> okay, good. Um, how are you with negative comments? Depends on depends on the day. Eh? Yeah. Um, sometimes, I'm not, I think most of the time I'm pretty good. Mm. I'm pretty aware that like by sticking your neck out, you it's gonna happen. Like, mm. especially on TikTok, by the way. Like oh, that t- place is a horrible so environment. Toxic, bro. It's so crazy. Yeah. The amount of times I've been ripped out by like nine year olds, and I'm just like, what? Yeah. This is crazy. Um, yeah, very strange. So I think just being aware being aware that that definitely happens and like not really taking it to heart yeah. but it's going to happen like you there's no way of avoiding it yeah. so kind of like coming to terms with that but yeah every now and again though like if I see something and I'm already like maybe if I'm already like feeling stressed or I'm maybe I'm just like not in a good mood and I read a comment of like someone just saying something about me that's negative like sometimes it does does get to you eh? mm. and, it, and it does like can make you like upset but I don't know, I feel like I get out of it pretty quickly. Mm. Or I just, like, have a little rant about it to Luke. I'm just like, oh, fuck these kids, man. <laughs> <laughs> these nine-year-olds coming nine year old, you, can't, you can't say anything back to a nine-year-old. No. You can't just, like, fire something back. Also, it's not... You can't really do that to anybody because it, it really doesn't look good and it no. makes it so much worse and everyone's like, oh, yeah, not, don't, you're not being a good example by yeah. saying something back or whatever. But, yeah, it definitely happens. I like to have fun with I actually try to make fun of like negative comments and stuff now like somebody there's a there's an ad going around at the at the moment which is a video um, promoting symphony in the domain mm. which is coming up in, in February and it's this performance like a lot of it is this performance that I did at um at the Christchurch Town Hall and I'm wearing like now for me as a dancer this is not weird but like I'm wearing like a leotard so you know I've got a little leg showing oh sure right and like this crazy little belt thing like it's a little bit like not what a normal Kiwi would do (laughs) but for me it's like I used to do it as like a five year old so it's not unusual for me to do that anyway it's not even bad (laughs) I make it sound like it's bad it's not at all but some like old dude on Facebook was like oh, like, I wish you'd perform with some clothes on. Like, just funny, funny things like that. Or, like, this is so generic, blah, blah, blah. And I just commented back, and I was like, if you come to the show, I'll put some pants on. (laughs) (laughs) Just some funny little comments, and people kind of appreciate. And it actually turns some people around, and they kind of have, like, a bit of a laugh about it. Yeah. And it wins them over, so. Yeah. Yeah, when it's the right comment, you can can sort of, like, win people over with a bit of (laughs) humour. Yeah, no, I feel like it, I feel like it does when you when you show that you're not taking yourself too seriously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that I try to do all the time. It's just like it is what it is. Who cares? I feel like so many people in New Zealand kind of talk about this idea of like tall poppy syndrome. Oh yeah, is it something that you're you're a heavy believer in? Yeah, I um I wrote I wrote a song about it called Something New. Mm. It mm. started last year. Oh, technically a year before now. Actually, it was a year old two days ago. So there you go. It was a year ago. Um, and I wrote it right before I moved out of, or a couple of months before I moved out of Christchurch. And it was basically, 
it was all about tall poppy syndrome and yeah. just kind of trying to understand like at the time like trying to understand why like when you actually try and put some effort in like why people want to tear you down and yeah and what that's all about and i think i think that new zealand is just a small enough place that there is like a bit of a scarcity mindset and i think that like people because because it is true in like smaller cities you know there are only in some not in music but like in some roles there's only enough jobs for certain people there's only like there's only enough roles and there's only enough things to go around and i think people really hold on to that mindset and they they don't want to share anything they want to like you know and what is it like the 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 squirrel like burying all the nuts in the backyard kind of thing yeah. <laughs> um and so there's like i think it's a lot of people thinking like that like thinking that there's not enough to go around but in reality there really is and i think it, it would actually be so much better off if people like collaborated more because it's a win-win you know? yeah so many opportunities like of those sorts of scenarios and it's been the same with me like trying to get support acts for shows like trying to team up with other people that don't want to be seen to oh they don't want to be seen to be supporting you or whatever and that's like a real problem in new zealand i, I hate it i really hate it yeah it's so annoying it's yeah. so annoying yeah and i think as well i get yeah yeah i mean yeah i guess they don't have enough reference experience of the whole world to be like this is a new zealand problem but it's, it feels it like a, it is a new zealand, it is a problem. New zealand problem it's a new zealand Damn problem it. it's it's also in a, <laughs> no, no. it's also apparently it's like that in australia nowhere near as right. bad but they they do feel that in australia and i think that's kind of where it stops it's definitely not like that in america it's not like that in the uk because there's so many people yeah it's like you go to london there's 10 10 million people there yeah like you, there's enough to go around you yeah. know there's enough room for everybody and it's just don't yeah i don't don't know why don't really know why that is it's frustrating though yeah yeah come on guys do better <laughs> um <laughs> look after each other in the something new mm. video mm. um in in the beginning you're you're playing a character or playing yourself or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is and, and you're being, made, fun, oh, you're yes, being yeah. made fun of by the, the yes. other girls in the class. Yeah. Um, I was just curious if that was based on a real experience or if that is just kind of something to set the tone for the video. No, it's that's not based on a real experience, um, thankfully. <laughs> I, I guess the overall idea of being left out and being sort of, you know, being the odd one out is definitely like has happened to me but not in the sense that it is in the video Mm. um i yeah something the something new video was was kind of interesting i wanted to do something that was not predictable because obviously the song is actually about moving out of it was about moving out of christchurch and Mm. it's about like trying like feeling like i'd outgrown this place Mm. and needing to go and find something bigger and, and better or like find a place where i felt i'd was valued a little bit more um but then with the music video like i I was planning on doing something that told that story and then but then part of me wanted to incorporate the dance side of Mm. my experience as well and i hadn't really done that before but i've been dancing for so long that i was just like i want to include this new element somehow that people don't really know Mm. about me and especially like another another reason to like stand out as something different in New Zealand like there's a lot of people really that are 
that have that combination of experience and so and also my parents spent a lot of money on dancing so I was like right I'm gonna bring it back <laughs> um make it worthwhile but like I wanted to incorporate it in, in some way and so I was talking to um to Shay the director about how I could merge those two ideas mm-hmm. together and that's how we sort of came up with the concept of of just not fitting into a place and like you know at the, at the end of the video I I been watching these dancers and I kind of like was all shy wanting to mm. to go and fit into this group and they were really it's like this whole journey of like me being pushed out to me being accepted into this new group yeah and I just yeah just did that in the, the dance sense it just Interesting. I just wanted to put it together and that's I, I thought it was quite a unique way to tell the same story without it being directly about leaving a city yeah 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 <laughs> I really like that video I'm really proud of that video it's cool do you have a video for the song coming out on Friday? No, I don't. I don't. Um, I wanted to... It's a lot of money to make videos, eh? Yeah. And especially when you want them to be of a certain quality. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not doing a, a video for Copycat Killer, but I do... Like, I wanted to spend a little bit more time this year releasing more music. Sure. Um, yeah. and there's only so much money that can go around, so I thought <laughs> spend it on the music and yeah. have the actual songs. Like, last year I released four songs spend a lot of time touring but I just found that the traction of my like you can see in your Spotify and, and everything else like the after you release a song like it you know it's, it's around for a few months and then it starts to really die off and yeah. people kind of like lose their attention a little bit so I wanted to spend a bit more time on actually releasing music um, rather than just like trying to put on these big production like videos and stuff so I, I definitely will I have a couple of videos and stuff that I will be putting out this year that I won't be for this song. Okay. Yeah. Are you uh, are you guilty of that as well? Being a like songs girly, so every time. You what know, does that mean? You know, like you. Songs girly. Yeah, yeah. I liked songs girly, so you know you save it to your Spotify or your Apple Music, but then as time goes on, it gets slowly yeah, pushed 100%. down the list, yeah. and then you stop listening to that yeah. song. And Unless then... you just randomly put it on shuffle and it happens to come up. Yeah. 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 I've been told, I mean, that's what I do as well. I've been told that having my like songs on shuffle is real unhinged. I don't oh. know why, but it's, I think it makes... how far back it goes. Wow, yeah, that's true. Like, how, how far so... back is your earliest song, do you reckon, that you saved? And do you know what it is? I like, do I, know my what first is it? ever song. What is it? My first ever saved song on Spotify <laughs> is Runaway by Kanye West in oh, yeah. 2016. Yeah, right, okay. Nice. So maybe maybe that is why it gets I think a lot more. Twenty sixteen as well, actually. But do you know what yours is? Yes, it's um, it's Wicked Games by The Weekend. Oh, that's a good choice as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> every time it comes on, I'm like, I just think about all the way to the bottom. There's so many songs. How many songs have you got saved? Do you reckon? Oh, I have no idea. I have no, no idea. idea. This do you put them in playlists and listen to them in playlists? Because I I've... don't at okay. all. Really? No, I don't. Oh, and I feel God. so bad. Yeah, literally. Everyone's like got all these curated playlists for different moods and stuff. I'm like, nah. No, I can't do no, it. I can't do it. That's crazy. I'm so <laughs> glad that you've said that because mm-hmm. I always felt like such a freak for not having playlists. Nah. I'm like, I like all this music. Why yeah. do I need to sort it? All yeah. of it, it's bangers only. Yeah. That's why it's my like song. <laughs> yeah. I know, I'm the same. I'm like, I, I like know. them all. I just keep like updating playlists and then like... <laughs> Yeah. remembering like oh did I put it in that one or like is it in there like, yeah. just, ah. I get a little bit of, a little bit of like OCD as well where it's like if I have a playlist that's like 
song, party songs and then one that's like happy songs and then I'm like looking at a song and I, I'm like oh, oh I don't know which one to put it in and then it just <laughs> yes, my whole system yes, is yes, ruined yes. you know yeah. what I mean yeah I have the same problem yeah. I'm like oh but it depends on the mood like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah I'm the exact same yeah that's really funny I only have I have I have must say I do have one playlist but it's only because it's for Spotify like mm. for like print stuff and I and I wanted to do it so that I could curate and even that's hard enough for me it's like 20 every month I put like 20 songs that I'm listening to of that month yeah and then I just have that out. So if people want to know what I'm listening to, then they can, they can go and find that. But even that, I'm just like, 20 songs a month? It feels like, it feels hard. Because I, I care so much about the quality of it. I'm like, I don't want to put any shit in there. Sometimes there's not that many good releases. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> such a nightmare. <laughs> I really overthink it. I do, I, you get, do you listen to your own um, music? Nah, um, if, if a song comes out, I'll listen to it for a couple of days, just yeah. to like, get the, like, to be excited about it and to, you know, sure. I, I am like proud, I want to always be proud of the stuff that I'm putting out, mm. but I do have a little rule for myself that if it comes, like, if it plays for some reason, mm. like if it's just going down the list and I, and it comes on, then I can't change it. I like force myself to listen to it. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know why, <laughs> but. Maybe it's because I don't want the algorithm to know that I've skipped my own song and it's not good. Oh, that's oh, this is so, like, <laughs> so, so precious. Because it only counts if it's played for over 30 seconds. Yeah. It counts as a stream. So I'm like, I don't want to let even let it play for 30 seconds and then like skip it. I'm like, yeah. nope. I'm going to show Spotify that people want to listen to it. <laughs> you hit the Instagram share button every yeah. time it comes up. Close out of it. Yeah, yeah it's so funny. So no, I just, I have that little rule, but okay. apart from that, I don't like, I don't like go and put them on yeah okay well cool final question yes. I ask this to everyone who comes on the show go on um, as someone who is a performer mm-hmm. um, someone who does her magic in front of lots of people mm-hmm. um, much like this podcast is what advice do you have for me um, or what you. feedback do you have for me about this whole process? You know, Interesting. Could my que- uh, what what was wrong with my questions? I don't or think you used any of them. The, so wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, nothing. Like this is this is this is great. Um, it's really easy to talk to you. I okay. Hope. It's really easy to That's talk good. to you. The the conversation flows really naturally. You do ask, act- like interesting questions that are not the typical. Like, how did you get started? Tell everyone how you got started in music. Like, none of that. Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't really have much to say. I would just say, like, for you, go and, go and like, get some big people on it. Like, get some big people involved if you can. I don't know, like, how many people you've had on or what, whether you just target it to Christchurch people. Obviously, like, doing it in person makes it a little bit harder because yeah. you're a bit limited. But... I've done some, like, online ones and stuff. Oh, you have? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just say like just keep going and like reach out to some big influential people. Okay. Do you have any uh, cold emailing tips as a, as a pro cold emailer? Um, a pro cold email. I think my manager does that. Um, <laughs> I definitely have done that though for a long time at the start. ChatGPT. Mm. Refine okay. it. Refine it. And also like short and sweet. Like we don't want to waste people's time. That's fair. You know. Yeah. I, I find like some people. 
I've seen like cold emails and they're like, so I'm just like sent this whole paragraph and it's like, fucking hell. Right. <laughs> we don't need to be doing that. Just straight to the point. Yeah. Straight business. Straight business. <laughs> straight business, baby. <laughs> Do you want to tell people where they can find you? Yes. You um, yeah. So obviously on, on all streaming platforms uh, under the name Prince, P-R-I-N-S, not P-R-I-N-C-E. Often misspelled <laughs> for Prince. Very different genre, very different person. Um, and alive. <laughs> P-R-I-N-S. Otherwise, you can, you can find me on all my socials, um, Instagram, TikTok, TheReal.Prince. Um, obviously, Facebook. You can find me on YouTube. What else is there? I think that's all All the major ones. Uh, yeah, TheReal.Prince. Or just type in P-R-I-N-S and hopefully you'll find me. If not, then I need to work on my SEO. <laughs> Yeah, no, surely, surely. Yeah. I, I think, I think, from what I remember doing research before the show, well, I think website's number one, so I think you're... Oh, really? I think you're... Oh, yeah, my website. doing well. www.prinsmusic.com oh, with the... Yeah, that'll have everything on there, yeah. if you're not sure. Yeah, true, website. Forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, cool. yeah, thank you for being on the show. That's all right. Appreciate thank you time. for having me. It's awesome.